It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. I'm Chris Kane with my co-host... J.P. Reinflesh. And this is a bonus episode of sorts. Before I brought J.P. on, I scheduled a few interviews with some friends that I really wanted to talk to about their special knowledge. And this is one of those. So I recorded it, JP listened to it, and we're going to talk about it a little bit before we get into the interview. This is an interview with Alicia McCullough, who is a friend of ours from the Author Success Mastermind. She has been working this year on putting a shop on her website for direct sales and merchandising. And JP has some specific knowledge in this area that Alicia and I do not. I'm really excited to hear your thoughts before we jump into the interview. First of all, loved the interview. Alicia is very expressive and she definitely knows how to whip you into shape. So I'm very, I was very motivated after listening to this. Um, It's the Marine in her. It is the Marine in her, and I'm just glad she's not my sergeant because I would be told what to do and I would have to deal with it. My experience with it is more on the the art side. I do have a shop up on uh, Redbubble and Zazzle. I can't say that it's, you know, amazing. I put my art up there so that people can buy it if they want. I have a little bit of experience sharing it on social media and seeing the uptick on that, but it hasn't been something that I've deeply explored because it's trying to find the fine line between advertising and annoying. Since I've had Redbubble up, I've made under a hundred for the the products that I've had, but I can see that every time you add more products to it, it bumps up the sales. Your stockpile of things slowly adds more and more as you build. Did you learn anything from the interview or was there anything particular that stood out to you that is something that you haven't been doing that you want to be doing? I'm all over the place. (laughs) That's one of my big ideation problems that I have. I like to chase shiny things. I really like Alicia's approach. She schedules things like crazy and always has everything relate back to each other. She's extremely thoughtful in that process. And she puts bumpers and boundaries on what she wants to do. So she's got her writing career which is her primary focus. And then she actually sets boundaries on merchandising, which is, I think she says in the interview, it's one week uh, Pomodoro method to work on merchandising. And having that kind of schedule is amazing. It sounds wonderful to me. It's probably something that I will start implementing for all the other side projects that I do want to work on. Another piece that I'll take away from it is the level of authorship approach. She brings up that new authors, which is myself, uh, shouldn't be so focused on merchandising. And that definitely let me make room to put that on the back burner, which Mm. is important because like I said earlier, I'm an ideation person and I love to chase shiny new objects. I just need an Alicia in my ear to tell me, no, no, not yet. Just put this on the back burner. You can think about it, but that's it. And then Later on, I can be like, okay, I can think about this like for 25 minutes a week and then we'll be fine. One book that I love for anyone who has any interest in merchandising whatsoever and is an amazing book for any stage of the author journey, beginner, middle, or later, is You're Gonna Need a Bigger Story. It talks about looking in your story 
for things that at some point in the future, if you make it big, you might be able to create an item out of, create a merchandising opportunity out of symbols, meanings behind symbols. When you look at Star Wars, when you look at Star Trek, when you look at Harry Potter, what we buy are things that are so infused with symbols that were in the story that gained meaning in reading the story. I think that that's something that if your brain can handle it, along with all the other new author things, it's not a bad thing to be thinking about at every level of, of your creation process. That's not gonna work for everybody, but if your brain works that way, you're gonna need a bigger story and I will link it in the show notes, is an amazing resource. Sounds to me like we have another uh, potential book club. Oh, oh. <laughs> I know I have a copy of it. I have yet to read it, but you keep bringing it up. So I guess it's going to be on my list very soon. Yeah. Alrighty then, let's get into the interview. I am here with my friend, Alicia McCullough, author of superhero fiction, Generally playing women of color. Yes, ma'am. I do superheroes. I do vampire huntresses. Um, I do dark paranormal. So black science fiction and fantasy for the most part. <laughs> and what we're talking about today is merchandising and direct sales because you have really dug into this this year. I have. I have. I wanted to look at ways to increase um, my revenue and look at ways to be able to support myself. So I have multiple streams of income. And why did you look into merchandising specifically versus anything else? Um, so I did look at some of the other things that were available to me, like creating courses or maybe becoming a coach or um, even like something completely different, like investing or you know, maybe selling insurance or something like this, I decided that I didn't want to pull myself in too many different directions. And I wanted something that could help to drive more traffic to my website and drive more traffic to find readers who might like my books. When writers are thinking about merchandising, and direct sales, it can seem pretty overwhelming. Mm. How did you start? One of the hurdles that writers might have is an understanding of what it means to do merchandising. I started actually with getting some courses, not from other writers, but from courses, courses from other people who do merchandising and also people who are in the handcrafted movement. So I looked at people who are already creatives or people who are already making money in the creative industry. That was Creative Live. Um, and I also did some direct courses to people who just did merchandising. I went opposite of looking at writers who do it. And I do wanna say this, when I did look at writers who were doing merchandising, their merchandise was always connected with whatever books or products that they had were already currently selling. And my merchandise is adjacent. Mm -hmm. So it could be that I wrote a book and it connects like my last vampire huntress book. I made, I 
got a character and I created a last vampire huntress clothing line and series, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could just be merchandise that could have been my books or could have been something that I would do, but not necessarily. You're approaching this differently than most people and that most people are driving their existing fans toward the merchandise and you're using the merchandise to bring awareness to all of the things you have to offer. Yes to my brand. We didn't talk much about me being a school librarian, but I spent many years doing scholastic book fair. I love this idea of having these high action or high interest books connected with different forms of merchandise. Could be little pillows, it could be little Trotskys, it could be pens, anything that would help to bring interest for other readers. And for me, it's an emporium. So it could be clothing items. My platform, of course, is Black Speculative Fiction. And so it could be fantasy items with Black people as protagonists, or it could be African attire, because that's one of the areas that I would like to go with. So somebody could buy one of my unique superhero t-shirts and then Possibly in the future, they could buy earrings that were African-inspired or even pants that were African-inspired to go along with it. That's really fun. What was the first thing you you put on your website to sell? The first thing I put on my website to sell was the audio book. So that was was another area that I moved into because I was very much interested in turning my website into a place of commerce. So I started with direct selling audiobook. And so I just put up my three-story audiobook that I had um, from my podcast and I just started to sell it direct. Did you pick that just because it was the easiest to get out there? Uh, Mm Because you're using BookFunnel and they make it so slick to to do it. Yes. Yes. Um, One thing is I heard that there were some authors um, like Iris Bowling who had been selling her books direct. Um, And so that concept was milling around in my head. And when I went to a workshop and understood what book funnel could do when you connect it with your WooCommerce, it just made a lot of sense to me to try that. So right now I only have the one audio book and I've made a few sales. So I made $20 and 88 cents with that (laughs) since it's been a month. Um, So it's surprising in a way, because you wonder would anybody buy an Mm -hmm. audio book, right? And yes. So, you know. And you've priced that on a a, a deep sale for most of that time, right? Yes. So 99 cents. So in a way, most of my sales were 99 cents um, and generally it's, it's uh, priced there for $2.99. Um, so I think I made quite a few sales with that actually, at least not 20, but somewhere around there. I did, I did a good job. Mm-hmm. What's your timeline for getting all of your stories available in some form on your site? Is that in the plans? So I'm going to take my time with that. <laughs> um, every, every month I'm working towards my merchandising. So once a week I set aside maybe three to four Pomodoros to either add a, a book product or add some type of merchandise. Um, so it's not my intention to 
let the merchandising drive everything. It's my intention to be a writer first and then have the merchandise be my secondary thing. So it may take me a full year or maybe a year and a half to get everything up the way I'm thinking that I would like it to be. So one of my questions is, um, when do you think other authors should start looking at merchandising if it's a thing that they're interested in at all? Hmm, so these are great questions. Um, I think I generally consider myself to be an intermediate author. So I'm not really a master of anything yet, <laughs> but I've kind of, you know, I've, I've had about maybe four or five books out there for several years. So I'm not in any way a newbie author. Um, I would think someone who was brand new to, to writing, I don't know that they should be starting off in merchandising because that might be a little bit tricky for them. You need to learn how to write, write first. Um, for me though, being an intermediate author, I think it's fantastic because as I'm learning or building my brand, it's getting more synthesized. So I'm getting some great SEO for my website and more and more uh, readers, customers are coming to me. And those people who are already my readers are getting deeper and deeper into my world and my way of thinking. And I don't know, I want to say they're becoming super fans, but I think I'm definitely um, giving a clear vision to people in terms of who I am and what my brand is all about in a way that I never had done before. Mm -hmm. How are you promoting your sales online, both for your book and for your merchandise? Um, so I do a mixture of both. Um, of course, I use all my social media venues to do it. Well, actually, I start with my list. So I have a subscribers list about 604 people, um, and they're fairly active. I have about 30% open rate, and I generally email once a week. So I'm, I'm pretty good with that. People are pretty active there. Um, uh, then I move on to my social media. Um, I have, of course, Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, and of course, Goodreads, because that's one of my ones. But the one that is, I find the most relevant and useful is Pinterest. Mm. Um, and also my blogging. So I've always loved blogging. When I first started, I was blogging a lot. I was blogging like two, three times a week. And I got wonderful at blogging and I had a lot of hits on my website, but I had low, very low conversions. At that time, conventional wisdom for fiction authors was you do not need to do blogging. It's a waste of your time. You need to just be working on books. And so there is a lull in my personal career where I just stopped blogging. And then maybe about a year ago or a year and a half ago, I said, you know what? I love blogging. It was fun to me. I'm good at it. And so then I began to do research on the power of driving traffic or content marketing to your website. And so I just started blogging, um, but I 
blog now with a, a purpose. Originally, I was blogging, I think, to find other writers, right? Because some of the topics that I was talking about were not topics that readers were interested in. Now, I'm very intentional about my blogging. My content marketing is more towards readers. I blog 11 to 15 times a month because that's what the statistics say has an indelible mark on your SEO. And when I blog, I pin them on Pinterest and I see a surge in traffic. Sometimes blog posts, when I put them up between Pinterest and social media, I might get like a hundred views. Within the last few months, I got about 300 views on one blog post. I know that SEO traffic is being driven there. It's not anything that I am doing that along with the Pinterest because the Pinterest article continues to get repinned. Pinterest is great because there's always that constant discoverability factor that maybe you don't get in social media. And, you know, regular Facebook, once it's gone, I don't know that people really find it later. You know what I'm saying? But in Mm -hmm. Pinterest, it's always discoverable. I'm sorry. I have only done direct sales with one of my audiobooks. Uh, I got into BookFunnels um, beta testing for their full-length audiobooks and yours counted as a short. So they've had that functionality for at least a year. That's why I went for the short. And when I did the audiobook, I did actually go on Fiverr and find a sound recording person and he added sound effects and different things to it. That was about 70 bucks or something like that. I haven't quite made that money back yet, but you know, it was fun to do. We know that BookFunnel makes it really easy to hook up and, and sell ebooks, sell audiobooks. With your merchandising, that process was a little more complicated and different, wasn't it? It was a lot more complicated. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I think most writers might have to consider is optimizing their website for sales. How, you know, what does this look like? I, I actually, in the very, very beginning, um, when the idea was put to me that I needed to put a cart on my website, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I kind of had a fear and aversion to, to turning my plate, my website into this place of commerce, which is difficult. Um, and so I did struggle and I did research because I, I struggled between do I want to do Shopify? So Shopify is what a lot of those handmade artists are doing and they kind of swear by it. And they're like, Shopify is perfect. It's easy. You could put your stuff up. You can do, you know, you could do a lot. Um, But my purposes were substantially different because as a writer, I really, really want to drive traffic to me. I really want to increase the SEO on my website and I really want to want it to have that independent financial, uh, I want to say dynasty, but you know what I'm saying? I wanted my, I wanted it to be my spot and my home, um, to be the place where, where not only customers were finding me for the merchandise, but also readers. And they needed to know that. And I think on Shopify, they would have had the merchandising experience, but they might not understand that I was an author. Now you're not making all of the items that you're selling yourself by hand. So how did you find 
the provider that you wanted to use? What were so, your requirements? So I did more research on that. I took a class in merchandising just to learn what all the options were. There are three options right now for people, mostly print on demand. So you have Printful, you have Printful, and then you have AliExpress to do drop shipping. Those are pretty much your three options that you can do. If you don't want to deal with inventory, shipping things to people and that kind of thing. And by the way, I do have my uh, signed copies through WooCommerce on my website, and I would have to ship those. Mm, and I'm okay with right. shipping something like that. But in general, I don't want to get involved with having to ship the merchandise. Print on demand has its own caveat. So you really need to look at your, your policies and make sure you're quite clear. Your print on demand is hard for people to do returns. They can't really return. If they do, they'll be shipping it back to the print on demand, to the printers and not you. Mm -hmm. There's some serious considerations for using print on demand. Mm -hmm. What's the main difference for people who are looking at doing this between print on demand and drop shipping? So Printify and Printful are print on demand. You take your designs, you take your ideas and they have products in there that you can choose to select. You can do t-shirts, mugs, you can do phone cases, whatever they have to be printed on, then you can take whatever image that you like and have that printed on merchandise. Of the two, Printful seem to have more options and I kind of I like them, but they were difficult for a beginner to do. Uh, Printify was a lot better for me as a beginner. I just took to it intuitively and I didn't struggle with it at all. Of the two, I'd say Printful is probably better because it has more merchandise options, but Printify was easier to get into and much more intuitive and faster. I've enjoyed working with them. What is different about dropshipping? Dropshipping is a whole other aspect. If you're dropshipping, you probably want to do that with AliExpress. Some people might do AliExpress themselves. They might go on there and go, hey, I want to get this origami spoon, <laughs> right? And you get six of them or whatever. And for a cheaper price, a lot of the vendors there are like from China and they create a product that you might like. And it's a product that's available in multiple places. You add it to your store and your back end, and then people can just buy these. Sort of like Walmart, Target, they both have Dove soap, right? <laughs> you could get it here, you could get it there. That's the same concept with Ally Express. These are little items, some big items that you can put on your store, but they're mass produced, essentially. I'm still learning about AliExpress, but I like the idea because it's a great way to add more products to your store that you don't have to create. They're already created and you can even research and go, oh, these earrings really sell. I want these in my store because I know they're already gonna sell. When you do print on demand, you kind of don't know. 
this image that I have, is that is that an image that connects with people or not? You hope to get the gym shoe like that one guy, Mike, who sold the gym shoe with the butterflies and made like $100,000. You hope that happens, right? But you don't know if your image is, if that's going to go on, you know? <laughs> one of the things I want to point out is that selling on your website isn't the only option for Alicia's purpose of bringing people into her universe into her business it's the best option it's going to be the best option for most of us long term short term there are other options for instance I did that audiobook for sale and rather than in, do all the steps I needed to install WooCommerce and sell on my website I said screw it I'm going to go easy mode because I only have one thing to sell I'm only selling it through the end of the year when it goes to the paid version of audiobook sales with book funnel I'm going to use Payhip. The wonderful thing about Payhip is that they handle all taxes in all countries. They are the seller on record. They simply pay you a royalty just like Amazon. So you could sell anywhere without any restrictions or worries that you are not going to be legal somewhere in the world. If you're doing merchandising, there are other print on demand options. Zazzle, Redbubble, Society6. And when you do those, then you have a site on their website where you do just the same thing as print, Printful and Printful. Print, print, they, they don't make that confusing at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> rather than hooking it up to front end on your website, everything just happens on their site. And they send you money when you've earned enough. My co-writer and I have sold some items, mostly coffee mugs, for our series on Zazzle. And the reason I pick Zazzle is I just have more control over the pricing. Others have better interfaces, have certain client bases. There's a lot of options out there that you can dip your toe in the water. Are you gonna make a bunch of money? Probably not, um, but this is a long-term strategy. For me, that was one of the largest considerations that I had. I knew that I wanted this to be longer term. When I sat down, it, I had multiple meetings, not just with me, but I had my contract, my web design person and a graphic designer to kind of see, hey, is this viable? Will this work? What am I looking at short, long term? How would this impact me? The whole thing. I am really interested in being much more of an entrepreneur and being much more financially independent. Not to say that I'm a conspiracy theorist, but what if something happens to Amazon? What if something happens to, to iBooks or Smashwords or whatever? I'm okay with making, if I ever get to $70,000 a year, I'm okay with all that being direct sales and merchandise. <laughs> if you look at history, we can say with 100% certainty that at some point, Amazon will no longer exist. Right. <laughs> That's just how the world works. Yeah. Is that going to be within our lifetimes? Is it going to be 200 years from now? Who knows? No. You don't know because when I was 30 years ago, Montgomery Wards and Sears were at the Sears. top of their game. If you had said they're going out of business, People would have been laughing in your face, right? Here's just where you bought your washer and dryer. Yeah. All of your kitchen electronics. You bought them at Sears. You didn't go anywhere. You didn't go to Walmart. No. 
right? You really don't know what that looks like. Now, you mentioned something about taxes and what I will say about that. Um, Printify can handle the taxes, but their uh, jet, jet, uh, Jetpack is one of the plugins that you could put on your website along with WooCommerce. And so um, for my uh, audiobooks, I charge taxes for that very easily with that. And so I don't have any problems. Now, yes, for my taxes, since I'm collecting taxes from people, I will have to keep track of that and turn that money in. But in general, taxes are not that difficult to figure out how to collect them. We have lots of software for reasons like this. Uh, you said something about your graphic designer. And I want to ask what kind of contract you guys have in place. Do you have a contract that dictates what you are licensing? I actually have two people that I usually work with. One, when I decided to optimize my website, I wanted to be able to have as much flexibility as possible. I hired someone to do Oxygen for me because Oxygen is drag and drop similar to Elementor, but a lot easier to work with. She was able to create something extremely unique with Oxygen. I pay her just for that contract was just for her to get Oxygen set up the template to look the same. I want it. So when people go to my website, I wanted to look for my author side. And then when people clicked on the shop, I wanted to look for the shop, right? I paid this, a designer to just do those. And that was that one time event. As far as a person, she does all my web things for me. I have a general contract with her and she handles pretty much anything that I would need to do with my website, all my updates, all those kinds of things. We've been friends for years and she has also helped me with self-publishing. So our relationship is fairly close just in general. She's like one of my best deceased friends anyway. So mm-hmm. how do you hire the graphics for the merchandising? When I first started, I didn't know what to do. And I had friends who were artists, right? And so I went all in my Facebook groups. I went all the place looking for artists because I know a lot of people, right? Everybody was like, oh, it'll cost you $900. Oh, it's going to be this for $900 for one image. You're like, what? (laughs) You can't make money with that, right? Some people would give me names and then I would try to track those people down and they didn't respond. It it was really a mess. I finally did find one artist to work with. And so I would not suggest that ever for anybody. I love her. I loved her work, but I put a lot into the one artist because I didn't know what else to do in the very beginning. She did several images for me. And now I quite understand once I really got into learning about merchandising, you need to go on Fiverr, Fiverr, Upworks, somewhere like that. And you need to be competitive with your pricing. So what I've paid her a hundred bucks for, I could have got from somebody else for 25 bucks or 30 bucks and faster, sooner, because they're used to doing it. And you have a level of protection in fiber that you don't have when you're working with someone individually. The prices are sort of stable. You can take chances because some of those people, just five bucks, 
So if you want to, you can be like, okay, I just need a bust just or a face or some words. Here's my concept. You could take that same concept that you have one concept, not five, just one concept and send that one concept. You can send to the $5 person. You could send it to the $15 person and you could send it to the $30 person and get three different designs and choose the one that you want and decide which one of the designers you really want it to work with and usually get it within a few days. If you're going to be in business doing merchandising, you definitely want to work with something like Fiverr Upworks with a competitive pricing structure that you can test out the market and don't get attached. (laughs) Don't get attached to designers or artists or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's been a minute since I've used Fiverr. I think I really only used it as a service provider and not purchaser. But when you commission those pieces, do you have a, a legal agreement that says like what you're allowed to do with it? Yes. You have to be very clear in the verbiage that you give them when you're talking to them. Cause they will charge you different rates. If you said, I want the copyright in the end, some people may charge you $10 extra, $20 extra. If they get to the point of like, I'm going to charge you a hundred dollars extra. No, no, no. You go find somebody else because you can find a competitive rate for that. But you want to make sure that in the end, you are the copyright holder. That all that belongs to you. Most of them, when you purchase the copyright, then they'll send you the PSD file. So you'll have, if something happens and you don't want to go back to them for whatever reason, then you have the file and you give that to somebody else to work with if you need to. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. If somebody wanted to get started with merchandising tomorrow, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to get some education, take some merchandising courses, get an understanding of what that looks like. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make. Are you going to optimize your website for sales or are you going to use something like Shopify? Or are you going to do some of the other things like what you were talking about, Zazzle, Redbubble? You have to figure out where you want to be with this. For me, in the long term, I wanted to create a place for people to find not only my merchandise, but also to come in contact with me for my books. There is a huge difference in book sales and merchandise sales. I sold a hoodie and it's on my website for $39.99 and I get $17 for every hoodie that I sell which is vastly different. So you don't have to sell nearly as many products with merchandise as you do with books. That wraps us up for our conversation. My question for the listeners is, do you have plans for direct sales or merchandising in your future? And if so, what does that look like for you? Let us know in the comments at rightawaypodcast.com.